Hello and welcome to the Huguenhoff Podcast, episode 70. Unfortunately, it is just me today. Steve had some scheduling conflicts. Um, <clears throat> that's unfortunate, but still, I'll put out a podcast. Uh, before we start, I wanted to remind everybody that if you want to, you can go to my website, which you can find at hugenhoff.org. That's H-U-G-I-N-H-O-F dot org. And there you can find my podcast page, as well as the RSS for the podcast, as well as my email address, which is hugenhoffpodcast at gmail.com. If you had any questions, concerns, or possibly show ideas, you can send them there, and I'll read over them. Okay, with all of that said, let's go ahead and jump into into today's episode. Today, I'm going to be talking about spring and austera. Since it's just me, it's probably not going to be super long because I don't like them to get too long when it's just me because it gets kind of rambly. So it's going to be a shorter podcast, but I'll try to give a decent amount of content. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, let's start with Ostera. Ostera is the goddess of spring. Um, so, for me, she's an important goddess. But Ostera is interesting in some ways, too. There's actually very little, and by that I mean no, lore on her. We don't have a story of Ostera in the Eddas or really any other text. The only reason we really think that she exists is because there's some, like, Places with certain names and certain mentions of the holiday, Ostera, of a holiday that incorporates the name Ostera. And we sort of surmise that probably if there is a holiday to this goddess, then she was actually a goddess in her own right. But it's also possible that's just the name of the holiday and they're unrelated. So we have a real interesting question, which we have hit on before, but I'll touch on quickly here again. Are we going to believe that there was a goddess Ostera or not? And how do we make that decision? We can't exclusively go on the lore that exists, but Ostera was, at the very least, an important word to our ancestors. Maybe she is a goddess, maybe she wasn't. So how do we make this decision if she's a goddess or not? And the way that I approach it is to think about the goddess Ostera and do some personal work. And there's some other god, gods and goddesses that are um, questionable, like do they exist, do they don't, or do they not? There is a theory about a particular goddess I'm not going to mention, but I did the same thing with her. I was like, well, does this goddess exist or not? And I did a bunch of meditation on it, and I didn't feel a connection to her. So I decided, well, I don't know if she exists or not, but to me... It's not going to be somebody that I honor at a bloat, for example. Auster, on the other hand, I did some work with her, and I did feel like there is a connection. So now I do honor her at, at our bloats. So it's almost something that's up to the individual, and that's sort of a fine line, because you don't want to get at the point where you say that every god or goddess that exists is up to the individual, and some people don't have to believe Odin is real, but they can still be Ossetru. You don't want to go that far, because then what is Ossetru? It becomes meaningless. It becomes a hodgepodge of whatever you feel like honoring, and there can be all sorts of made-up gods, and you're not honoring gods that actually exist per the lore. So there's a slippery slope argument that I think is fair to doing your own personal work to decide if a god or goddess is real. 
But on the other hand, there are some that are implied might exist, but we don't have the lore to. We know that we've lost a lot of lore. We know that we don't have all the the texts and, and especially stories that we used to have. So sometimes I think it would be a disservice to yourself and the religion at whole on on whole to say like well this this particular deity doesn't have a story so i'm not even going to entertain the possibility they might exist um so what i'm saying is personal gnosis and doing your own work with gods and goddesses is something that should be taken seriously it shouldn't be something that you do lightly you shouldn't you know if you're the type if if you're in a place in your life where all of a sudden you have 16 gods and 28 god goddesses that didn't used to exist but you're convinced they exist now that's probably not right we probably haven't lost the vast majority of the gods and goddesses even though we have lost a decent amount of lore most of them have probably survived but if it's a situation where there's one or two in my case one austere is the exception to the rule i normally honor the gods and goddesses from the lore Austera is not in the lore, but I still honor her. And she's not completely absent in history. There are linguistic cues that she may have once existed. So I feel like with that, and since it's only one, I've done some personal work and I do think that she exists. And another thing about Austera is she makes so much sense to exist. If she doesn't exist, or she should... Because would it not make sense to have a goddess of spring? In a religion like Austria, where we focus on nature, we focus on the cycles, we focus on the cycles of the earth, would it not make sense that we had a goddess specifically dedicated to spring? I think it would make sense that we'd have a goddess of spring. Archetypically, a goddess of spring should exist. So that's another reason that I think, well, maybe Austere is real. And in my own mind, yes, she is. She is real and something, someone who, who deserves our honor. <clears throat> so that's always an interesting question if you're going to believe Ostera or not. My own personal view is <clears throat> if someone didn't believe in Ostera, I wouldn't say, well, you're not really Austrian, you're not allowed in my kindred. But on the other hand, if someone did believe in Ostera, I don't think it'd be fair for someone else to say, oh, well, you're not Austrian and you can't be in my kindred. It's a very personal thing. And with the amount of missing lore that we have, a lot of things have to be sort of personal like that. Um, I don't know if that's a good thing or not. You can see it as a good thing because since our lore is incomplete, it's harder to fall into dogma since there's some uncertainty about the gods and goddesses, because every story is not told, it is harder to fall into dogma. Not saying it's impossible, but it's a lot harder to fall into dogma. And if you do fall in dogma, it's a lot harder to justify that. If you can say, well, half of our lore is gone, yet you think you know every single thing about this this goddess, and you can point to it in the lore. Well, you can't point to every single thing about this goddess in the lore, because half the lore is gone. It makes dogma... It really makes dogma untenable, which I think is good, because I think dogma is absolutely the enemy of a living, vibrant religion. When you fall into dogma, you stop working with the gods because you don't need to. You know everything about them, and that's not a healthy place to be. It's a, it, it should be about 
growing your knowledge of the gods, growing your knowledge of the goddesses, learning about them. Are the gods and goddesses always changing and developing? Well, they change and develop to a small extent, but it's mostly your understanding of the gods and goddesses that are always changing. And dogma is solid. It is locked into place. It is stagnant. And that's not what you want in a religion. You want something alive. You want something vibrant. You want something that's always growing and changing. Because you, as a person, want to always be growing and changing. You want to be guided by these deities on your own quest to grow, change, and ultimately become a better person. So, I mean, maybe I'm searching for a silver lining that doesn't exist. But I, I think that there is a bright side to having a large amount of our lore lost. And that is that we are less likely to fall into dogma. So, you know, I just wanted to say that, kind of say what I thought about Austera and why I honor her. I think that's pretty much it for what I wanted to say about that. What I want to go into next is just in the more general sense of the word spring. Um, spring is a great time of year. I personally love spring. I also love summer. I hate the cold, so I've definitely got a bias against winter. I think winter is absolutely an important time of the year. It is a very reflective time, and reflection is something we probably don't do as much as we should as a society. But I love spring. A, it's getting warmer. So for me personally, that's a huge boon because I love the warm temperatures. But more than that, what's really amazing about spring and what's wonderful about spring is you start to see the life come back. After a long, cold winter, and wherever you live, if you don't have a long, cold winter, think about something like where our ancestors would come from. Think about Sweden or, more recently, Iceland. Their winters were extremely frigid and they lasted forever. So when you have that time when life finally comes back, you've just been in this um you've just been in this winter forever and it's just like the world was frozen and dormant for so long when those first signs of life start coming back is absolutely something that you would want to <clears throat> rejoice and celebrate because life is finally coming back. So it's a great season because it's so optimistic it's a time for us personally to start out on new endeavors for example um and that's that's a great thing to be able to do to start out on these new endeavors i love i love starting projects in spring and a lot of times those projects are started in new years because oh new year's resolution i'm going to do this thing or whatever for me, the new year and and the dead of winters were really when you're um, looking into yourself and being introspective and, you know, maybe saying, what did I do the last year that's positive? What should I do this next coming year? Thinking about what you should do, but it's spring that you do the thing. For me, it's spring that you do the thing. You know, our ancestors might have done something like plant crops, which is a very physical thing. You can plant the seeds and watch them grow. Um, but that same symbolism can go into other things. If you want to go back to school, for example, or if you want to get a new job, or if you want to start a new project, you want to write a book, you want to, um, write a new program to do something cool. You want to make a neural net, whatever that thing that you are passionate about. And maybe you have been being introspective throughout the winter and thinking about this thing. 
spring's a great time to start it because just like we plant seeds that grow into physical plants later, you can plant, you have sort of developed the seed over the winter time and now you're ready to plant the seed um, and have it grow into something new. And I think that a really cool thing. I also forgot I was doing a rune series. I should have done that this episode. So sorry about that for everyone who was following it. I do want to mention I will get back to that. Um, that is going to be my default for when Steve can't make it. But I love spring and I wanted an excuse to take a moment to talk about spring and the new life and everything else coming up. So that's that's what this podcast is. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> let's see. What else can I say about spring? I just think it's a really exciting um, time of year. And, you know, you kind of have this idea of we're thinking, let's just say in the more physical sense about the seasons. So I'm a huge fan of Star Trek. I think I've mentioned that a lot in this podcast before because it's just something I'm a fan of. And in Star Trek, they have these like temperature controlled domes. And the people live there, so it rains when it's convenient to be rained, and, and you all, or it rains when it's convenient for it to rain. And the way they were sort of presented to me, or the way I took them in, in the Star Trek that I have seen, and you know, it's mostly the next generation and the original series. I haven't jumped into the books, so maybe they go into this somewhere else. But it was sort of this idea that you have perfect weather all the time. And on the surface, that sounds really great. You have perfect weather all the time. Why would you not want perfect weather all the time? You're never cold. You're never hot. You don't have to deal with winter. You don't have to deal with summer. You just have this like perfect all the time temperature. Um, that sounds great. But I don't really know if it is great. It's one of these things would you really appreciate when the spring came if you hadn't gone through the winter uh, from a like ecological maybe you'd call it perspective could a forest really exist especially the type of forests that we have here in america maybe could they really exist without the winter because i understand there is such a thing as a rainforest and they don't have like harsh cold winters but the type of forest that i have around here couldn't really exist without a winter because if they did the weeds would grow up like crazy the trees uh, because it's the winter kills off the weeds and it and and other like um plants that just grow in the summer and it sort of gives the trees and stuff like that a chance to grow tall and it and and it's important to the ecosystem. You also have the insects, like when we have a mild winter, we normally have a billion mosquitoes and, and it drives you crazy. Where it's that like deep freeze that kills off all of those different animals. And ultimately that deep freeze is important. It would be nice to have a constant perfect temperature all of the time, but really I think it's important to have those like periods of cold, even though they're kind of unpleasant. It's important to have those lulls in the growing season so that when the trees do come back and the life does come back, um, we appreciate it. But I guess what I'm saying is it's important to have those lulls in the growing season to kill off the old stuff and give the new stuff a chance to grow. Um, and I, I talk about 
micro and macro um, cosms a lot, I guess. But on the on the biggest scale you can imagine this, you have Ragnarok, which is is not something that I think we should say is a terrible thing, and I wish Ragnarok would never happen. If there is a way to make Ragnarok never, ever happen, I would do that. That's, that's not the goal. That shouldn't be the goal. Ragnarok is necessary. Now, we don't want it to happen right away. We want to put it off until we are ready. But one thing to keep in mind is when they talk about Ragnarok, they talk about the things that come before Ragnarok, um, sort of this idea of decadence and brother, fighting brother, and all this other bad stuff, because any system let go too long is ultimately going to destroy itself. And the world itself, in Ragnarok, that's the cleansing fires that burn the earth, but then let it rise anew. It lets new life in. It lets new life grow. And that's important. We want to go through that cycle. Um, so on the smaller scale, we have things like winter. It, it cuts off the old life and lets something new grow in its place. We can even imagine something like a forest fire where, you know, that's terrible in a lot of ways. The forest is burned down. Um, a lot of destruction is wrought in a forest fire. But after the fire goes through, out of the ashes grow these new plants, and new plants and new animals come in and can exist and survive because we went through that destructive phase of the forest fire. Now, just going through that um, winter, spring, summer, fall cycle is a lot less dramatic than a forest fire and definitely less dramatic than Ragnarok. But you, excuse me, you've still got some interesting, um, or you've still got some similarities there where we sort of have to put the freeze on and make things stop growing so that they can sort of be reborn the next year. Kill off the old growths so the new things can can grow. Um, so that's on the more physical level. But on a spiritual level, I think it's important for us as people to try to learn from that cycle. What do we do as people? How do we create on a yearly basis? Is a yearly basis the right um, interval? Is the yearly basis not the right interval? Now, I think yearly basis to an extent is the right interval. Um, You don't want to do major things that often maybe but in your own life i think it is important to take a moment you know have it correspond to the actual physical winter if you have the seasons in your area just because subconsciously that's going to i feel like that's going to make sense to your brain um to have a time to be introspective and to stop what you're doing stop doing the thing that you're doing and just let it not grow for a while while you think about it and while you think is the thing that I'm doing really worth the time I'm spending on it is the thing that I'm doing actually worthwhile Um, because the thing is you only have so much time in a year in your life you only have so much time and are you focusing on the right things or not and if you stop a moment and, and think every year let's say is what I'm doing important? Is what I'm doing worth my time? Um, I think that can be a really healthy 
exercise, I guess. Uh, that's something I try to do. I'm sure that a lot of people try to do that. But that's uh, wisdom that we can learn from the lesson of the world around us. And and then, but also, because there's the other extreme, the other risk, which I've definitely seen people fall into, where they plan and consider, is this the best use of my time? Will this make me happy? They consider it so long and they never actually implement it. They never start. It'll be five years and they're still like, "Mm, should I do this or should I do that? And that's not healthy either. That would be the equivalent to winter dragging on for five years. And eventually the seeds of the new growth are going to die themselves. I mean, you can't just have a never-ending winter, and when it finally ends, expect all the seeds to grow up that much better because they've been dormant longer. That's not how it works. There's a proper time for them to be dormant. Those seeds would be quite possibly dead by the time this five-year winter was over. So with us, too, we have to take that time to stop what we're doing and to consider what we're doing and see if we're on the right path. And if that means freezing old projects and ultimately killing old projects, that's fine. That's part of what it's about is not using our resources for things that aren't going to give us the results that we want. But then when it's time to plant the new seeds and again, use the physical weather as a cue for this, when spring starts and you're surrounded by new life, start your new project projects plant your seeds at that point in time decide this is what i'm doing for the rest of this year this is what i'm doing for the time being i guess um i've thought about it i've considered it i've been dormant for a few months but now that now it is time for action it is time for me to start this thing and then actually sit down and start the thing um and i think that that's a very positive life lesson and I think that's a life lesson that we can glean from the environment around us and the world around us and say I see this happening in nature and now I'm going to try to reflect that in myself to do a very similar thing um in general I think it's often useful to look into nature to see what we should do to take nature as a cue because We are born of nature. We exist in nature. We're natural creatures. And if we look to nature and say, well, this is how nature is doing it. Oftentimes, if we apply that to ourselves, we can live a happier life. So spring is one of those times that I think about that because it's such an obvious thing that it is now time for me to plant the seeds of what I want to accomplish in the next year in myself. So, I mean, those are the big things I wanted to say about spring, I think. Um, I just really do like the season, and yeah, I just wanted to take a moment to sort of give some of some of my thoughts on seed, uh, give some of my thoughts on spring, and how now is a really good time and a really important time to sort of plant the seeds of what you're going to be doing in the next year. Okay, and I think the last thing I'm going to to be talking about, since I've been talking about spring and everything else, I can't help but mention kids because I love mine very much, and they're very cute. Um, 
spring is just a time when all this new life is coming and everything else that I just naturally sort of think about cats. And you know, it's interesting because everything has such a cyclical nature to it, like this seasons where you go from winter to spring to summer to fall and then back to winter, that it's sometimes tempting to think that existence is circular and we're just spinning our wheels so to speak and we're never getting anywhere new and I don't want to give that impression because I think we absolutely are getting somewhere new um I'm not the first person in my family to have kids obviously because my parents had kids and before them and everything else so I am part of this cycle that goes on this cycle of life death and rebirth where the parents are born, where people are born, they get old, they have their own kids, they die, but the kids go on and have their own kids and so on and so forth. But every time that happens, you have a unique individual come out of it. And that, by its nature, is magical and important. And I think that maybe each, well, I don't want to say that each generation is better than the last, because that's that's not necessarily true, and that's unfair to my own ancestors, I think. But every individual or every generation is unique and different from the one previous. And I think the goal of, of a parent is to provide a better upbringing to their children than they had. And I mean, I, it's, it's hard for a parent to say, like, yeah, I definitely did that. My parents had a better childhood than me. It's like, how are you going to say that? And do you even want to say that? Because then you're sort of insulting your own parents. So it's not about being a competition. It's about you as a parent wanting to provide something better for your own children. Um, and this, in the time of spring, is just kind of a time that I think about that. As my own kids grow older, you know, they're really developing very strong, distinct personalities. Where babies, you know, I, I love my children when they were babies as well, but it's hard to know what the personality of a baby is. There are personalities. They have personalities. Not all babies are the same. I have two, and I can guarantee that they were vastly different even as babies, as newborn infants, they were different. But as they grow older, they're starting to tell stories. They're starting to make up jokes. They're starting to ask for things and really um, assert themselves as individuals. And that's something that I've really enjoyed watching. I've really enjoyed watching them grow as people, as individuals. Um, and this is just one of those times that I kind of like to reflect on that, and I think for anybody else out there who has kids, this is a good time to reflect on that. You know, the the serious stuff of are you putting them down the right path? Are you teaching them good morals? Those are absolutely questions you should ask and questions I do ask. But also sometimes it's important to just take a moment and be like, my kids are wonderful people. Let me take a moment to appreciate my children and understand that they are unique individuals. And if you have kids or not... It's important to take a moment and say, yes, the world works in cycles, but there is always something new and there is always something amazing that's being created. Even though my kids are part of this cycle of life, death, rebirth, they're not a repetition of 
that cycle. It's not just another turn of the wheel where everything's basically the same. They are completely, amazingly unique individuals. And, you know, think about yourself. How many experiences you personally have had were you part, were you born of a cycle that is timeless and has gone on for for a really long time? Sure, absolutely, you were. You were part of that timeless cycle, but you're also a unique individual, and it would it would be really sad if you didn't exist. So it, it's important. It's important to. Um, it's important to take a moment to realize that even though you are part of this timeless cycle, you're also a unique individual. And I think kids absolutely fall into that same place. My kids are, are amazing, unique individuals. And just because a cycle is eternal doesn't mean it's a waste of time or you're just spinning your wheels. There's a difference between being part of a cycle and the cycle of life and just spinning your wheels doing the same thing over and over again. And it's hard to describe because it's not progression in the classic sense of the word like I'm better than my parents and my kids are better than me. It's not that type of progression, but it's it's still a useful endeavor and a progression in some sense of the word where I am different than my parents and my kids will be different than me and we're all unique and special in some type of way. Uh, I mean, it sounds a little Mr. Rogers-esque where it's like we're all special in our own way, but but it's true, we are all special in our own way and for everybody that exists today, I think it's a good thing that they exist. Even though they're part of this timeless cycle, they're still unique individuals. Um, I think that's all I had to say about that. I just wanted to sort of point out that just because the cycle goes on forever, that's not the same thing as spinning your wheels. Um, that's a very big distinction. And you know, this cycle can continues to create novel new individuals and no two people are the same and all people are valuable you know unless you're a horrible murderer or something all all people are valuable and and this cycle has created all of us and i think it's important to remember that and to remember that just because it's a cycle doesn't mean you're doing the same thing over and over again Anyway, I think I'm going to wrap up there because that's what I wanted to say. So I will take a moment to recap and just say that I love spring. New life is is come or life is coming back, um, and it, it's just an amazing time of year. So everybody, go out there and enjoy that. Um, think about starting your own projects now because the world is starting to wake up and become alive again. So yeah, I'm going to enjoy that. Anyway, thank you everybody for listening. I do want to remind you, if you want to check out my website, you can certainly do that. And you can find that at hugenhoff.org. That's hugenhoff.org. And send me an email at hugenhoffpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you everyone for listening. Frahail. Hail.